All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Today I have a bonus episode for you, and it is an introduction to a man you're going to be hearing a ton from. Uh, something like two episodes a month, I think we're planning for, and it is with Dorge, the owner and operator of Fireknock. If you're at all familiar with the Exodus YouTube channel. We have done some content with Dorge in the past, and he is probably the smartest man in archery. So we're super excited to have him use this platform, the Deer Gear Podcast, to hopefully educate a ton of people on everything archery. So we're basically in this podcast going to talk about the what's to come, some of the topics that we're going to talk about, some of the things that Dorge is excited to share. His goal is to educate as many people as possible. We're really, really big fans of Dorge here at Exodus, so we can't thank him enough for allowing us to have him on and share what he knows with you guys. Like I said, this episode is going to be an introduction to him and what's to come. And then this Friday, New Year's Eve, the first episode with Dorge and one of his guests goes live. And it is all about arrow shafts, uh, arrow shaft material, spine, everything you need to know about arrow shafts. It's a good conversation. I hope you guys are as excited as I am to learn and hear more from Dorge. I hope everyone had a great Christmas and is wrapping up 2021 on a high note. If you still have a deer tag in your pocket, I hope you're out there chasing them. Looks like we're going to get some cold weather here in the near future. So keep grinding, guys, and I will see you on Friday. everyone i'm back i'm live i am sitting with dorge of fire knock dorge i would probably botch the hell out of your introduction so i'm gonna let you do it yourself well i'm a retired DOD project manager and uh, sort of like a guy who just have get bored with life and after my retirement i go into archery back in 2006 well lo and behold one thing lead to another of what 15 years later and 43 utility patent issued I learned a lot more about archery than I even cared to know. But then uh, I think that's what everybody is because see, a lot of people talk about archery and they, they talk about how simple, how everything is to prefer you without being a very highly degreed academic wise in, in physics, material science and engineering. I have no idea how inadequate archery is. I mean, sorry to use that word, but that's what I feel because next thing you know, like every time they look into a subject and most people who know me knows this, that I will not make a product unless it's 50% better than the next one or else I won't even bother making it. Sure. But then that's a pretty bold claim with close to nine, what, 970 products now on my catalog. <laughs> I mean, I would like to share with people a lot of what science-based knowledge and hopefully I will bring in some uh, as time goes on. I will bring in subject matter expert. Like I will try to bring in Professor Selig, which is aerodynamic expert. I would get Professor Smith on the uh, uh, on the material science expert, or get Professor Conwell out of the uh, uh, like vibrational dampening expert, who is in charge of DoD on like uh, like uh, your your helicopter blade resonance control, your mechanical resonance control. Bring that kind of expert into the area, 
and hopefully will give people a, a different form. But at the same time, I would really would love to, as we progress this, I will go into like bringing a few of my certified and trained dealers and some of my top customers and talk about and let them talk about their experience sure. of what they see. And hopefully in the process, I can back that with scientific background. At the same time, what is the real world implication of what those events? Because a lot of people say, well, I mean, like me just simply say, what aero diameter is the best? Answer is that this is the same question as what vehicle is the best? That depends <laughs> on what you want to do. Sure. I mean, I can tell you a bicycle is much better, but you would tell me 18 wheeler. You're both right. <laughs> yeah. But the fact is that what do you really want to do with it? They say arrow is an arrow. Well, that statement is pretty much the same as saying motor oil is motor oil. <laughs> I remember that old commercial. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be something as we progress this, like you said, we're going to be hearing a lot from you and hearing about the actual technicalities of why you should be doing what you're doing. And like we were talking a little bit off air, one of the biggest misconceptions in Archer right now, that's kind of finally getting a light shed on it is that high, high FOC with modern bows is really not the best thing out there. And no, actually it's detrimental. And not to mention high FOC and thin diameter, they are the worst thing that can happen to all compound bow that's over 80% off. That's a not a, not an if, that's a given. Because see, when the, the two-time Olympic gold medalist Rod White did the test for me back in 2015, he proved that an 80% off with the with the IBO speed arrow at 60% at 60 yards lose can lose up to 38% energy compared to a 55% off bow with the same FOC. You can lose 18. So the let off is a big deal. Then the front of center will actually diminishing the ability of the, the kinetic energy of a shaft. So in other words, you can the same identical weight shaft can have very different impact kinetic energy delivered. And those things we will talk about because what you were dealing with is that we may be dealing with high energy physics in the case of resonance control, uh, parasitic loss of the internal shaft itself on energy. I mean, sure. those are very, very involved projects. So I will dedicate one or two times on those subjects alone. If the, uh, the, the listeners are interested in this, if I can't explain this well enough, I usually, I mean, I will bring in Professor, Professor Cornwell or I got uh, subject matter experts like shaft dynamic experts to, to, on these subjects because a lot of people also make the mistake thinking, oh, this is what we test in golf shafts. But no, this is a whole different subject matter. And most people mix the whole two things together. Sure. Yeah, I think that's going to be something. I know I'm going to be tuning into that episode. That's something that I kind of dove down the wormhole and I'm shooting a super heavy arrow thinking I'm doing the right thing. And then I talk to uh, talk to you and I talk to the engineer Matthews and he shoots a 385 grain arrow and he likes the uh, five grains per pound or for drawing. Draw yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. That whole thing is about optimization. Because see, like the end of the day, I mean, I think this will shine a basic light on everything on the vertical bow side. The crossbow side is a whole different animal. The end of the day is that nearly every single crossbow or vertical bow is pulled by a human. Mm -hmm. It needs to be optimized. Sure. The reason for that, just like every single side. In the case of crossbow, it's different because you technically have unlimited of input. Mm -hmm. There's unlimited of holding. But sure. just like everything in life, if you get something for free, the question is that, what are you giving up? The next question is that, if the giving up worth it? Now that's the, the same subject, like people say, oh, uh, oh, I, I, I make the arrow FOC high. Well, I'm just sort of 
a few points on nip on it so that we can talk about it. If the FOC is high, what happened to the aero shaft dynamics? You're compressing it. Mm. The second is that people say, oh, uh, uh, it is, uh, I shoot so accurately. At what point? Mm. The, at the same time, what if you lose all this speed to shoot high FOC, wouldn't your 2003 Matthew say that your Q2 do the same thing as your brand new V3? So sure. and because of the speed, you're losing all the true speed because you're slowing down so much. Then what does the vein do? What does the insert do? What does, what does the shaft harmonics will do? I mean, all those things is what I'm trying to bring into light. But of course, every one of those sections is, is involved. And yeah. then we can talk about a whole subject on just one episode, half an hour, just on shaft dynamic alone. A, a, as simple as you're talking about the oxidation cycle. The, I mean, that's a few things doesn't even exist on this, the, new, the new arrow now. Like people talk about neutral plane, it doesn't exist in carbon. It is an arc. Like people talk about when, when you flex the shaft, you got the basic flex. No, it's not a basic flex. It's a compound flex. On top of that, you got torsion. So <laughs> that whole thing is like, whoa. <laughs> and I will talk about how do you overcome those. We, we, well, so a few things we're going to talk about is how does the insert impact an arrow? What is an insert? What are we really trying to do with it? How does a vein really do? When you reach certain speed, how does vein impact the behavior arrow shaft? All those are very, very involved matters, which, I mean, if people are in, really into technical aspect, they can go to my dealer, uh, my dealer classes, which is on YouTube called Final Dealer Classes. They get superbly technical real fast. <laughs> the reason for that, because see, uh, unlike others, I won't let people sell my product until they're certified and trained for all the high-end archery products, because it will be crazy to let to, for somebody to go ahead pay $110 an arrow if they don't know what they're buying. Because it's not the arrow they're buying, it's the knowledge of what this arrow will do for them for their specific application. It's like, imagine yourself, you just spend 100 grand on Mercedes-Benz SL, but you want to hold two by, or four by, uh, four by eight plywood. You just <laughs> screw yourself royally, isn't it? It yeah. is not the amount of money you spend. What do you want to do with it? Sure. What do you want to accomplish with it? I think that's one thing I really, really want to stress is, what are we trying to accomplish with the equipment we have with the limited amount of input we put into the system? Because in a vertical bowl, I mean, even your Hercules, most people don't pull over 80 pounds. And unfortunately, the gentlemen who, who most of the people I helped are usually your 50, 45 to 60 or even 70 year old bowl guy with a 45 to 55 pound pool, trying to do the bucket list on a 60 dasher and an elk. <laughs> now we are talking serious because the amount of energy input is so limited. Every single loss will make the shot unethical. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. At 70 pounds with a 40% loss, you still got 40 something pound energy left, right? But if you've got a 45 pound energy on it, or even 50 pound energy with a 40% loss, what's left? Yeah, nothing. It's unethical. So how do you shoot through an elk? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. your bucket list is, is, is undoable. I mean, I think I'm going quite a bit all over the place, but I'm trying to give people a breath of what we are trying to discuss and go into the technical detail. And hopefully with our customers respond, we can fine tune it to what they want to hear. Because see, I can go into super technical detail, but I will lose people like most cases. Most people will know me without the help of my real life dealers. I lost people fast. Okay. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. And that's the reason I will try to intro throughout the process. With your help, we'll bring in 
quote unquote experienced dealer who deal with your average average day Joe, but able to use a language they understand. But at the same time, we'll bring in the experts so that they can go into in-depth subject matter in, in what, what kind of principle and theory and why is it true? This is not just a fluke. Why are you seeing problem that you're seeing? Sure. Yeah, that's going to be uh, really exciting. I think what, what we discussed like twice a month, we're going to hear from you. Oh, um, I would I would love that. I mean, that, because, you know, uh, I will bring in most body. I'll bring in a few of my top dealers because a few of my dealers are really doing fantastic work. Like Jerry Martin, our X-Wing Custom. He technically built every single arrow for any customer that have a less than 27 inch draw. I will send them that way. We actually have to rethink what arrow behavior is. Because when you got an arrow that's 27 inch long with the 55 pound and try to shoot an arrow at 60 yards, <laughs> we're talking some very technical ability of a shaft. And we don't, like every day I've got customer that's really sort of, a, sort of like floor me is that I need to shoot that 80 pound with a 600 green arrow at a deer that's 40 yards. I say, that sounds really good, but you know that if you misjudge by three yards, the arrow is going to be below his belly. Yeah. So what are we really gaining? And he just bought himself a brand new, say 80 pound obsession. That bow barely shoot 270 or even lower. With 80 pound limbs? Yeah, because oh. remember 600 green arrows mm -hmm. yeah. with something like a 22% FOC. What do you expect the arrow to do? Exactly, it will drop like a rock. And not to mention, the moment that he also did that with the uh, uh, with the 166 class arrow. Well, guess what? That's the worst combination. And we will discuss why is it bad. Because I don't think a lot of people understand why, like a few of my older customers, I actually turn around and give them the 300 size arrows. Not 166, 0 0.300. Because you're looking at a lot of the shot dynamics. I think this will be all be interesting subject as we proceed. Because at the same time, I think I give uh, the listener a, li a little bit idea of what is out there. And why do I, we focus on subject like this? That I think the more they learn about why things are like they are, the more under they will understand why they don't behave like. The simplest thing to do, I tell all my customers, shoot a light and and look at how your arrow flight. Second, look at your arrow impact to your target. Why are they... Or every one of them under 20 yards for all the new bows. You notice that they go into the target crooked, they're not straight. That's exactly the problem with FOC and shaft dynamics. And go yeah. back to the older bow with 50% of you will see the bow behave differently. Those are instantaneous. I mean, you, this is experiments that you can absolutely prove to yourself. Then you ask yourself, what I'm really doing? Why am I paying all this money? I mean, if today's world, if you decked out a math deal, you're going to pay 2,700 bucks. No, I'm not joking. I mean, look at the new PSC. It's 1850. Bare bow. Then people complain about, oh, I'm going to spend $800 on a dozen arrow. <laughs> yeah, so that pretty much is what I'm thinking. What, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's going to be good. Uh, while I have you on the line, I want to talk a little bit about what you offer with Fire Knock and kind of where that all started. You're, you're selling, I mean, you have, like you said, 900 and something products in your catalog, but you have lighted knocks, you have the titanium upgrades, you have the mm -hmm. spring stops, you have all that stuff. So let's kind of talk a little bit about how that started. And oh yeah, because it, when, when I retired from the Department of Defense, the last project I did is called the Instant One Way Project. It is a project, it's a joint, it's a joint military project between US and British Marine. Pro, Marine. 
Back then, you know, night vision is not part of the deal because it was before that. So in order for the Marines to land, we need to make a runway. And that is where, what the concept is that we'll mount a Gatling gun on a Harrier or Harrier class fighter jet. With a GPS mount, you shoot this arrow out to the ground. During the process of shooting it, the first light will be blinking, the second light will be solid, the third light will be blinking, and the rest will be solid. So now in that moment, you instantly draw a one-way line on the floor, and then the rest of the airplane will land. That was the original Firenac. Wow. <laughs> but then, of course, uh, in order to meet the military respect, the specification become very high. First of all, the entire M-series Firenac at that moment is called an MNAC because it's military. These have a handle and 18-gauge shotgun shell. So we know you have to handle 33,000 pounds per square inch. And then at that moment, we also have gold tip with the vapor shaft because that back then is called the cross tour. Uh, is it the crossfire shaft? Because it was the only shaft that's thick and strong enough. And of course, we learned we have to end up using aluminum tip because using a stainless steel tip, the moment hit mud or, or whatever, the arrow goes straight into the ground. With the aluminum tip, you will just expand and stop. You can shoot into uh, concrete or asphalt and you will stay. Mm. But unfortunately, back uh, about 1998, 99, instead we discovered, first of all, third generation vision become viable and that's only going better. Instrument landing become possible. So instant runway become a non-issue because you can do it total darkness. Nobody know you did, <laughs> which is even better. At the same time, the British, unfortunately, our military partner is not capable of delivering the gun. We got the arrow done. And before you know, um, I retired, nothing better to do, have all this and demilitarized. I help a company called Tracer and they use magnetic system and I use the G4 system, but I didn't go in, but I have the control, which is the fuzzy logic with the uh, 15 degree motion sensor with a six second time delay and the G force which I patented in 2006. Actually, that's where I learned that my patent law knowledge sucked because I should have split that into something like nine US patent instead of one patent with like 60 claims. That's a very expensive patent. I spent over 60 grand on it. <laughs> then I also discovered the archery well or Knox, which is the reason that the final Knox are so different from anywhere else because half of my patent claim is on the Knox itself. Mm. And half the patent claims is actually on the circuit board integration and then we also have the wire integration and so on. And of course, the lower part of the connection, they're all mil-spec'd. That's the reason we know the reliability is that. I mean, right now, that G-switch that's made from, uh, for us from, by, by from New Jersey, military contractor is rated for 12 million cycles, which is the reason why we can offer a lifetime refresh policy on our Finax record, because the connector is rated for 50,000 connection and the G-switch is rated for 12 million. We're never gonna reach that. So when you send the stuff back, we can reuse it. I mean, you know what 12 million is? I mean, even if you do it once every second, you will not have enough life to do it. <laughs> and of course, next thing you know, uh, the, after FINA, we have the arrow vein. It was because my, my adventure in Volo Box State Park, when that fine out just fly like three inches in front of me and landed on a post, like, damn, it's that quiet. But the day before, what happened is that I tried to shoot at a buck, which is on the bottom of Volo Box uphill. Well, guess what? My arrow never made it. I step back then, I shoot a low FOC with a quick spin and the wind was blowing. My arrow literally go forward and turn sideways about 45 degrees and miss the deer totally. How windy was it? Maybe 20 miles per hour wind. 
Because see, right now, with the Professor Hubbard, Professor Salek out of Central Illinois, and Professor Lele out of Stanford University, the arrow ring of finite is a projectile. The moment you shoot past 280 feet per second, you can shoot up to 30 miles per hour wind, up to 120 yards, with no more than half-inch deviation. Wow. But the problem, I mean, we will, we, will de de we will dedicate one episode on that alone. Because we are talking airfoil, I will, I will, I will present some notes. Maybe we'll bring Professor Salek come in. He is the low-speed airfoil expert on this planet. He has designed over 120,000 airfoil. And with his help, I'm able to develop Aerofing very cheaply. But, uh, but unlike other people's veins, Aerofing is a single cavity, single mole cast. That means every single vein comes from the same identical cavity. Mm. So the weight variance of Aerofing is 0.06 grain per thousand. Wow. Then after that, of course, I start going into like the inserts, points, and then uh, the how, I mean, of course we did when the vein, the vein forced me to design the aero vein jig. Then we were forced into go into other things like bow tuning tools. Then I learned about the dynamics of a shaft, you know, and all the rest of the stuff, which come into the airfoil tools. And then of course, find out how bow serving doesn't work. So I designed the bow serving jig to help to make sure the string is indeed right. <laughs> I mean, every single problem I face in self, like, okay, uh, I face a problem. How can we make it better? Next thing you know, a product comes out, one or two patterns comes out. The same thing like holding the bow, the vibration, where, 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 how, come, how come my bow just shake like crazy? The string stops supposed to do that. Then I got help with Professor Cornwell. We learned about how um, um, movement of vibration, how the energy transfer and so on. So that's where we come with the arrow bump. And then of course, stabilizer system, which is the turn up the whole stabilizer were upside down. So yourself try to stabilize the hole. We actually try to stabilize the shot. So we, our bow actually will shake after you shoot it, but not before. Well, everybody now is to stabilize bow to shoot, but not up and after. <laughs> so everything's on opposite. So it gives me a lot of education processes, which is reason I want to do this podcast and hopefully educate people to, a to, a, to the level and extent that they want to be hearing. That's the beauty of podcasts. That's the beauty of the world today is if you want to be educated on certain things, the resources are out there. And this being connecting with you uh, through Exodus is going to be a blessing to all of them. Oh, no, the blessings will be both ways because he, I, I may be a sub, maybe actually something matter expert, but I, I have a very big problem. He said, I'm not able to, I would say, I will prove myself. I'm incapable of get, get the, knowledge to an average show so they understand the impact and that's the reason i hopefully with your help with a few of my dealers and with quote unquote even your listener maybe we'll bring a few in and ask questions and we will try to answer them the best we could because see, a lot of times what the chinese call drilling the tip of the ox horn the, the matter is so insignificant for 90 percent of people but that's what i'm focusing on which is not what we need we need to give people why is it important to start with does it impact the people who want to be impacted? Just like I can tell you all day long why a bicycle is no good. But the fact is that it's great or no good. The fact is that you never use one. So what's the, my point of talking? Yeah, let's right now, if you're listening to this, think of a question. And George, if they have a question, where can they send that question to ask you? And you guys can also ask me as well. Just uh, go to For my... me, the easiest way is to text me or uh, send me an email or, or even go to Facebook and use Facebook Messenger. We did check that. But the number one source for me, of course, is, is, uh, is uh, contact at finac.com or to me specifically, dodgeh at finac.com 
is D-O-L-G-E-H at F-I-R-E-N-O-C-K.com. That will be the absolute best way to guarantee to reach me. And for all the questions, I will, I will try to organize them so I don't jump over the place because you may have a question with titanium. The next one is about uh, uh, how the aerovinjic impact of airflow. Why is accuracy important, say, on the a, on a insert? I mean, I don't want to go over the place. I want to sort of gather enough on one subject. We'll drill into that and see, try to answer the question that was most asked. And maybe we will start rebuilding our frequent asked questions like we did on our website. And maybe this time we'll, instead of just reading, we'll try to explain it in words, maybe with some help, like one of my favorite, uh, favorite dealer, uh, Dave Murray, he usually will explain things the average guy really understand. I mean, he, he's not highly academic educated, but he do this very well in a language that I thought I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of times, you know, for me, some of the words I use in describing may mean zero to anybody. Sure. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think that's a good place to kind of leave off. If the, is there anything else that uh, you want to say for this? No, I think, I think what happened, you said we want to have an open discussion on subjects, but I think the most important for anybody who will listen is that don't believe anything you said until you try it. At the same time, you know, this is a archery, it's not life and death. It's a sort of fun. If you learn it wrong or learn it the way you want it, it's not really a bad deal. So what's the worst can happen? But at the same time, would you like to improve on what you like, love to do? If not the case, this is not for you. You do whatever you want to do. I mean, it's just a hobby. I mean, it's a passionate hobby. Let's put it this way. I mean, I'm doing it because I'm retired now. I got my, I got my, my money. I'm enjoying myself. You can see, I don't even bother to advertise. But at the same time, I really, really want to educate and share the information I have with the world because that's what happened to me. You're talking a guy who started hunting in 1989 and waited six years to shoot his first deer because... Everything on my bow was wrong. <laughs> so I learned every single mistake is out there. And after that year, I waited three more years of hunting to get my second year. And I will, I will not be ashamed to say back in the late 1990s, every five deer I shot, I was lucky to recover two. Wow. So the technology and ability is significantly changed. If you are old, as old as I am in the, in the late 50s and early 60s, you know exactly what I mean. Yeah. You guys are living in good time, but at the same time, it's just like, just because you, somebody gives you access to the key to a Ferrari, but do not know that, mean that you know how to drive and fix it. And I'm here to assist. Sure. Yeah. If you want to not drive it, also fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be great. You also have a YouTube channel as well. So if anyone wants- Yeah, find our TV. I mean, with everything new on something that's worth talking, we put it in together. So people, a lot of people like it because most of the final customers really go into that. And of course, the, the reason we come to this because when uh, when Jake was doing, I was helping Jake to update his bow. I think a lot of customers really, really like to learn more. Yeah, we had a ton of comments on that video that Jake did with you. Like everyone's like, we need to hear more from him. So that's what we're planning on doing here. That's what the- Yeah, because that benefit us both. Because see, you know, I'm trying to educate people why things are like that. Why, why, why do I do this? Next question, do you need it? Because the titanium kit is great. But if you are one of the Midwest guys who just simply drive your ATV to a tree, hang your bow up and shoot one arrow, and then put it back and put it on the rack and go home, the titanium kit is not doing much for you. Yeah. 
But if you are a Western hunter or you are a guy who really enjoys shooting all the time, that titanium case will make a difference. Not a small difference, a big difference. Sure. Because just like back in, I'll just give you a hint. Back in 2014, when I have uh, 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 Jim Miller put the first titanium on the chill, before and after the, the titanium kit change, the bow shoot exactly the same speed, which is 315 feet per second. But the impact point is two inch difference at 40 yards. Whoa. Did you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. The arrow speed is the same. The arrow is the same, but at 40 yards, it hit two inch higher. Now ask yourself this question, how does it happen? <laughs> this, is, this is a full discussion on titanium, internal resonance control, arrow shaft, microflex, all this stuff coming into play now. Yeah, that's gonna be, that's gonna be some interesting stuff to learn about. I can't wait. But George, I won't hold you up any, any longer tonight. Um, I, I encourage everyone to ask questions. I'll have his email down in the description of this podcast. All the contact information, the YouTube channel, everything that you're going to need to get a hold of George will be in the description of the podcast. And I look forward to hearing from you again. Well, once again, I, I need to thank Jake and also thank you, Cameron, for get, letting me allow me to be on your channel. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll do as much education as we could. At the same time, you know, you will learn something. It's not for you. You have nothing to lose, but a few times consider entertainment. But if you learn something good about it, well, it's a lifetime. <laughs>